Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi everyone, welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. That was Sally with Out of the Pan, and she finished with Bob Down, Go to Rio. A great song. And uh, yeah, I'd like to also acknowledge that we're on the lands of the Wurundjeri people, and that sovereignty was never ceded. Pay respects to elders past and present, and think about what it means to be on stolen land with everything that we do. I'm joined by Meg today. Hello everyone. Yeah, and uh, Meg, what's the show about today? Okay, uh, well, so tomorrow is International Workers' Day, Monday, yeah. May the 1st, May Day. So we are going to obviously take an animal spin to the whole labour thing and we're going to talk about uh, working animals. Right. Uh, yeah, just basically throughout history, uh, you know, what, how their labour has contributed to our society, uh, what we need to do to, uh, you know, stop the exploitation that's happening, the obvious exploitation. And, yeah, just a whole bunch of different things, some interesting anecdotes about animal workers. Uh, and, yeah, hopefully you enjoy the show. <laughs> I yeah. think I will. It yes. sounds really interesting. Yeah, hopefully our listeners will as well. <laughs> yeah. And um, music-wise, we've got just all yes. of one artist, haven't we? Yeah. So um, kind of following from what I'm doing is I like to feature just the one uh, musical outfit in a show just so that you can just not just get a couple of like just one song um, from a bunch of different bands, but we just try to tell you a little bit about um, a vegan outfit, um, often a local vegan yeah, outfit. Cool. So we just feature three songs uh, and the three songs today are by um, a synth and piano rock duo from here in Melbourne called Privateer. Uh, which is a it's a rock duo as I mentioned. So it's Jeffrey Clementson who does vocals, piano, keys, synths, uh, bass, and programming, and Damien Langley who does drums and percussion. And they're both former members of the indie folk outfit um, uh, Autumn Grey, oh, um, cool. and they're both long term vegans of twenty plus years. So wow. um, definitely uh, into the whole liberation thing. Um, so yeah, that's one of the reasons why we're featuring the music today. That sounds cool. Yeah. So before we get into the music, though, animals as workers. Animals as workers, yes. All right. So what I'll do first is I'll just do an introduction to International Workers' Day. Um, it's probably, you know, if you're a listener, you probably um, have an idea of what International Workers' Day is. But uh, International Workers' Day is a celebration of labourers and the working class across the world. And it's a day initiated by uh, the international labour movement itself. So yeah. it's a day uh, for workers, in, initiated by workers. 
Uh, for humans, it's a celebration of the victory of the fight for an eight-hour workday and fairer mm. and safer conditions for workers. Um, so previous to the, the labour mo- movement uniting in solidarity and fighting for workers' rights, there were no conditions, there were no sort of a set standard of conditions that we had. So a labourer could work, you know, 16-hour days. They could yeah, work in wow. awful conditions for terrible pay. Uh, so the, the labour movement united, they got together and they fought for their own better working conditions they fought for a more reasonable working day the eight hour day that we have now uh, which is brilliant and we today as humans benefit from the the work that those workers did and Mm. we continue to benefit from it Um, and we continue to benefit from benefit from the union movement uh, the labour movement, uh, which I have to say is actually uh, there's a lot of socialists um, driving this sort of thing and the, the, the union movement, the labour movement was driven by socialists back then um, when this was, uh, you know, for the inception of this International Workers' Day. But what does it mean for our animal comrades? Yeah. And, and how do we talk about the work and the labour that's been done by animals? And it is a significant body of labour mm. in, in human uh, societies. Um, so, yeah, animals have been workers in human societies since our, the inception of our societies. Uh, you know, from dogs protecting nomadic communities and assisting with hunting to oxen hauling the plows that helped us grow the food that we needed, animals have been assisting us uh, in our endeavours in a huge variety of capacities. It's it's beyond the scope of us to talk about in this, this you know, one-hour show all of the things that animals have worked to help us do. But that would have been, to put in perspective a bit, we're talking more than 10,000 years ago, aren't we? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, w- on our previous shows, we've talked about the relationship of um, wolves and dogs with humans and yeah. their assistance in our societies, which could be up to 40,000, 50,000 years. Yeah, so it's be somewhere a long, between long those. Absolutely. 10,000 yeah. was when agriculture sort of started or about yes. that. And it was well before that because they still would have been doing the nomadic hunting and things and having... Yep. Dogs helping. So long history with dogs as workers in our communities and then other animals as workers in our communities, um, you know, a little bit past that. So about maybe the 10,000 year mark to 10 to 12,000 years. Yeah. Uh, just depends. Science is always kind of catching up and, you know, uh, the, the boundaries of how long we've actually worked with animals is, uh, again, something that we we are constantly uh, well, this gaining is more, more accurate. information. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's yeah. increasing the accuracy. We, we, on, we can only yeah. do estimates because it's such, you know, it's in the distant yeah. past. Um, but, yeah, so they've been absolutely they've been um, absolutely instrumental in the progression of our society. And some of these workers, ha- it's, it's been a mutually beneficial and respectful relationship, um, but others have been an absolutely, completely uh, – it's, it's an exploitation. Yeah, and, completely and they one have, way. Absolutely. So yeah. one way – the animal has no freedom it will work until its death and yeah. have a miserable life and, and it's unfortunately to work. exactly yeah. it's forced to work and um, you know there, there is no benefit to that animal to work it's literally our benefit yeah um, and we do have to acknowledge that and I do want to talk about exploited animals as workers because if we do not talk about the benefit that those exploited animals have bought us their labor has bought us we do we do a disrespect to them because we don't talk about it and mm. we don't talk about what their lives have, have been like, essentially. And ways that we've benefited from that. Exactly. And even if it's not continuing today, exactly. even though some will get to are, but you and I things that and are no longer every continuing. listener yeah. have benefited from um, you know, the first day that an oxen pulled a plow uh, in an agricultural society. And yeah. we'll get to that, you know, when we get to that section. 
Um, yeah, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't, as I said, we wouldn't be here where we are today as a society if it wasn't for the labour of these species um, that have expended energy uh, to to progress us where, to where we are. Mm. So, yeah, um, it's in three parts. We're going to talk about the history of working animals. I'm going to go into a little bit of a, a, an idea of how we got here, uh, you know, with working animals in our current society. Then we're going to talk about animals as helpers and then, of course, um, animals as exploited workers. And then yeah. we're just going to end on a conclusion and just have a chat about what it means to progress as a society going beyond what we are now. We know that we've benefited, but it's now time to look at ways of making it fairer for animals and then in some cases in many cases ways of dismantling the very structures that um, have put animals to work in such a terrible and exploitative way Mm. so yeah yeah it sounds good excellent all right so why don't we go on to the history of animals as workers Uh, this is fascinating to me if you haven't grasped and you know if listeners haven't grasped i do Love the idea of looking into the past and, and seeing our relationship with animals and how, how it's progressed. Yeah. Um, we have, again, in previous, uh, previous shows, talked about uh, wolves and dogs as members of our society, as protectors and hunt partners. So nomadic tribes worked with wolves and then dogs as wolves evolved into dogs to protect their communities from predators and also to secure food sources. So again, even before agricultural societies, we were benefiting from the work of animals and we were progressing as a human species and a society from the work that these these animals, these wolves and dogs did. Mm. Um, and it is again important because we were we were preyed upon. Uh, you know, if you have a look at saber toothed tigers, uh, there's actually skulls where there's um, saber toothed tiger holes in the skulls. We were the prey yeah, of wow. many animals. Uh, we we may not have survived to the point we are without the protection of other animals. Mm. And, you know, our our dog and wolf friends. Um, then, of course, that, that was nomadic society. And then, of course, when we moved into an agricultural society, and I would suggest this is where the energy of animals mattered the most in the progression of human society. So animal workers here played a key and critical part in progressing our agricultural society. And if you have a look, um, so the, one of the the photo that I've got up for the description of this podcast is actually uh, two oxen pulling a cart. And it might just look like two oxen pulling a cart, but that's actually one of the most important things that happened in agricultural society. We utilised the energy of the oxen to to. Uh, do labour that we could not have done as individual humans. And remember back then, there weren't many of us. Mm. So the labour that we did was critical to producing the food that we had. So these oxen could in an entire day plough 10 times the amount of space that a single human or even a bunch of humans could do. And why that's important, why the labour of the ox with the plough is important is because when we produced the food in a surplus amount, it meant that we went from subsistence and survival to a, an, a, a point in time where we had enough food that other people could specialise. Yeah. So instead of growing food for subsistence and survival because these oxen were able to do it for us, 
We were then able to have people specialise in metallurgy and blacksmithing or building houses or developing the written word Mm. and writing scrolls. So we evolved as a society off the backs of the labour of these oxen. Because it freed up everyone's time. Exactly, yes. And so... And then again, a little bit later, horse horses as well, who did this is similar mm. sort of work. And um, I think personally reading up on this, you cannot overemphasize the importance of the labor and the energy put into our, our, our past societies by animals and how it has affected us, to, you know, where we are today. In some alternate reality... Uh, we we had a society that had an agriculture but never utilised animal workers and probably isn't as progressed as we are today because we weren't able to specialise or it was a delay in that specialisation. Mm. Um, so it is you, I and all our listeners benefit from that regardless of what we our views are on um, the whole animal exploitation thing. Yeah. And then if I move on to another um animal that an animal that's uh, that works for us the horse which i just mentioned uh you know the term horsepower mm. right that's actually a direct result of the labor of the horse now it was actually invented by the guy that invented the steam engine right now what he wanted to do back in the days when the steam engine was literally just invented horses were the main um uh <laughs> How do you say this? That they were the main source of energy to do things in our society. Yeah. So they were the transport. They were, you know, the the type of animal that might pull a, a primitive machine like a grinder that ground flour and all of the other things like they may actually pull a wheel to transport water. Yeah. So it wasn't just transport. It was a whole bunch of things that the uh, these horses put their energy and their labor into to um, help us. Um. What he wanted to do was find a term that directly translated the idea of how much work the steam engine could do. And so if the steam engine was two horsepower, it could do the labor of two horses. Mm. And if you ha- have a look at it, we, you and I talked about this before the show, um, we, we really didn't have a word for the power of horses and the labor of horses before we invented steam to replace those horses. Yeah. And that's how devalued these you know, the labour of these animals were because we didn't really have a term for it, Um, even though it was so important, even though it was so crucial to the progression of our society. Uh, So, yeah, that's actually quite an interesting one there. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of like in in a nutshell the idea of how important animal labour and animal workers has been in our society. Uh, Yet we do not, we have never had any kind of um, structural honouring of that work that that we've seen them put Mm. in. Uh, It's so integral. I mean, we we acknowledge uh, human slaves. We acknowledge that human slaves have built some of the massive structures that we see on earth, you know, some of the seven wonders of the world. Mm. But there is not much societal acknowledgement of uh, exploited animals and their labour and contributing to our society, even though it's there, it's relevant, it's 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 there for everyone to see if you do the research. Um, and just on that, I mean, I know this is an animals workers show, but yep. there's also not much acknowledgement of present day slavery and modern day oh, slavery. Absolutely. So I don't think it's completely yes. a species thing. I think it's no. also to do with sort of a level of... Um, either guilt or attachment to the benefit from that work. I mean, it's a, it's a lot easier for people yes. to acknowledge 
slavery in the past that they mm. don't feel like they're directly benefiting from anymore or that it's sort of over and they feel like it's been it's yeah. settled in some way. There is a di- very disturbing fact, um, and people don't realise this, there are more slaves now, human slaves on the planet, than there were at any other stage yeah. in history. Uh, you know, if you eat seafood, odds on you're eating something that has been uh, harvested by a human slave. Well, a lot in the fashion uh, industry. Yep, and in chocolate and yep. in all of these sorts of things. We a lot of agriculture. Need to, absolutely, agriculture. And this is something that we need to acknowledge. And my personal philosophy is um, it labour is across species and these kinds of issues is not a humans have done bad things to animals. It's people in power have done bad things to animals. People in power have done bad things to other humans who aren't in power. And I see it as a cross-species fight for fairness and equal working conditions and freedom and the the ability to determine our own fate, essentially. Um, I don't subscribe to the whole idea that humans are terrible and, you know, we we should be wiped off the face of the planet. I think that there are power structures in place that allow people who are inherently exploitative to exploit both humans and animals. Mm. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the whole idea of slavery is not a human, it's not just a human thing. Yeah. It's a human and animal thing and we do have to acknowledge that uh, across the board. We need to... Um, you know, as you're fully aware of, uh, we need to fight exploitation in any capacity that it comes up. We yeah. need to be anti-oppression in whatever capacity uh, we see oppression occur. So. But also, I mean, even though there are, there is still, you know, the existence of human slaves today, as we know, in greater numbers than ever, and it's one of the most yes. underrepresented issues that we talk about. We, we talk a lot about slavery in the past, but not much about what happens today. Exactly. And I think in the same way, but it's not exactly the same because for, for animals, we don't talk about any of it. We don't talk about the history or the modern day. So yes. there's there's other parts to it. That it's not just that we treat human and animal like slavery and, and working the same in terms of how we currently approach those issues. Mm. There is a speciesism element to it as well because we're acknowledging the past mistakes in the human realm, but not in the animal realm. And in the modern day realm, we're sort of, turning a blind eye to both most definitely yeah and uh, look it's so we don't acknowledge the past slavery of animals Mm. we do not acknowledge the present slavery of animals yeah um and also a very important factor is that uh humans in whatever capacity they are laboring often have a voice to communicate with other humans their desires their wants their uh you know desire for freedom and to determine their own fate we often have to advocate for animals because animals cannot tell us what they want exactly. Well, not in English. Um, not yeah. in English, exactly. Not in a, not in any kind of way that is relevant to us mm. or that we feel is important. Unless we're looking close enough for it. Exactly, unless we're actually looking to to see what they want and we're keyed into that. Yeah, yeah. and we care about what they want. I think yeah, the main thing is, is that we just don't care yes. about what the animals' interests are. We yep. just see the benefit we can get. As a, as a mm. species, you know, we see the benefit we can get from from exploiting the animal, and I think that's actually that's pretty much the story, the path of the co- path of the course for any kind of oppression, any form of oppression. If we don't see it and we don't care about it, we are not going to progress it. Mm-hmm. And so, the first step in understanding about oppression is actually acknowledging that oppression exists. Yeah. And so we haven't even got to that level as a society, and this is one of the reasons why we have this show. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why we fight 
against this type of oppression. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about, you know, these animals who are doing the work for us. Mm. Yeah. Should we take a song break? I reckon we should. Now, um, so, yeah, again, we've got the band Private Privateer. Uh, so it's a duo, Jeff and Damien. The first um, song that we're going to play from uh, the, them is uh, Ticonderoga, which is a piano-driven, delay-drenched epic about a malevolent, plague-ridden ship. I love that. It also <laughs> features uh, Michael Bayless uh, of the band Shock Octopus. So he actually has um, a part in this song as as well.
Every year on May Day, 3CR joins communities from around the globe in celebrating the achievements of the labour movement. Showing solidarity with the struggle for workplace rights and fair working conditions for everyone. Stolen wages campaign, Black Power Union. The role of the bicycle in workers' revolutions. Working women. The transition of workers in the coal and gas industry. Climate action and union solidarity. The history of May Day and much more. So tune in on Monday, May the 1st. As we celebrate the strong and proud history of the struggle for workplace justice everywhere. That's right, here on 3CR Digital, 8.55am. Also on our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash Mayday. Happy Mayday. Happy Mayday and get around it. Happy Mayday. Worried about the climate crisis but not sure how to help? Whether you want to make your voice heard in our democracy, help out with local sustainability projects or hit the streets to protest for change, Climate Carnival has something for everyone. This two-day festival is your chance to meet a range of local climate and environment groups, get the facts on climate crisis and find out what you can do to make a difference. There'll be talks and workshops, music, comedy, kids' activities and more. So come to Mycelium Studios in Brunswick East on Saturday 6th and Sunday 7th of May. Make some new friends and find your place in the movement. For more information, look up Climate Carnival on Facebook. Climate Carnival is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to 3CR Freedom of Species. You were just listening to Ticonderoga by the uh, synth and piano rock duo Privateer. Uh, we are talking today about working animals uh, in the mm. light of it being May Day tomorrow, yeah. so International Workers' Day, um, as you saw with the ad. Uh, and so we're on to the next segment of the show, and um, this is kind of something that's close to my heart. So uh, animals as helpers. Now, um, just to set the scene, I went to a, a festival called Confest uh, recently, yep. uh, so conference festival. And one of the things that people can do is host workshops. It's an open conversation, uh, different areas talking about different things. And I hosted a number of different workshops there. And, of course, because I uh, like to talk about animal advocacy and I like to get people conversing and thinking about animals and the way we see them and the way we treat them, I hosted a number of um, workshops uh, w- which were actually based on the previous shows that we've done. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so in one of them, uh, which was a workshop on animal human-animal friendships, um, I got some absolutely fantastic anecdotes um, about animals and that really fit into this show today so animals as workers and so um, I thought I'd talk about that and I talk about these a couple of anecdotes so these are um, stories about support animals that help those with medical conditions so Mm. these are working animals that help humans who have various uh, medical conditions that make it difficult for them to navigate life 
uh, and sometimes animal support workers are the only types of um, tools and strategies that they can use to actually navigate their way around life. And to give people example, that's like epilepsy? Exactly. So people who have um, epilepsy or who are, who suffer from seizures, yep. uh, one of the things that uh, many animals can do is detect these seizures before they happen. And sometimes it could be, you know, 10 minutes, half an hour. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It, it? Which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, we could talk forever about, you know, how they do that. That's just amazing. Um, but it's it, the, the, the work that these support animals do is not only something that contributes to the value of the human, um, but it also can save their life. Mm. So uh, if we talk about the first one that I'm going to talk about is, uh, so there's a, there was a dog, Chester. So, uh, so when I arrived to the workshop, there were quite a number of people and there were also two dogs. Now, um, dogs aren't actually allowed in um, Confest anymore oh, right. for various reasons, uh, but these were two support dogs. And so they were possibly the only two dogs in Confest and they were attending my uh, event. Yeah. And so as I talked, we, we were actually patting these dogs. Um but yeah, so there was there was uh, Chester and Zoe, and um, Chester was a support animal for the man who I'm going to tell a story about now. Uh, so uh, Chester is a member of this man's family, and he's also a support dog. Uh, so uh, Chester's human has epilepsy, and Chester is able to determine when an epileptic seizure is coming along, uh, and alert. Um, his human by uh, letting him know, by pouring at him. Right. If he can't get his attention then, he'll start barking at him. And then the next procedure up from that is actually to start nipping at him. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. And so there's actually various things that he does and he's been trained to do these things. Now, um, this story isn't actually about Chester's human. It's about when Chester and his human were walking through a shopping centre. Now, um, obviously, Chester has been trained to do this and um, – you know, they were walking along in a shopping centre. Chester spots an elderly gentleman, goes up to him and starts pouring at him, mm. right? Now, remember, Chester is a highly trained animal. He's a working animal. He, he knows what he's doing. And Chester's human went up to this gentleman and said, look, mate, I don't want to alarm you, but I think you should call the ambulance um, and explained, you know, what kind of uh, dog Chester was. So anyway, the, the man called the ambulance and 20 minutes later, this same man had a stroke, but he was wow. actually okay because the paramedics in the ambulance were already on site. So Chester may have possibly saved this man's life mm. or at the very least helped him retain his uh, level of quality of life because he wasn't going without medical care at a critical time in his stroke. Yeah, he got early intervention. Early intervention is key for strokes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the work of these support animals is often extremely important in uh, helping people have a quality of life that, um, you know, th that they can enjoy their lives. But then also it's actually life-saving. It's an amazing mm. um, thing. And I that, that story really stuck in my mind because I thought this, this is a relationship here where, you know, Chester and his human are friends. They're part of the same family, but Chester is also working and is also assisting. And this is a, the job, this is a lab, the labor of an animal that is very, very important, again, mm. to another human. Um, and then in the same workshop, I uh, had the story uh, from a woman who, again, had seizures. She also had um, like quite high levels of pain. She was suffering uh, through quite a number of medical conditions and she had a support goat. Now, this goat could also detect 
when she was having seizures. Yeah, and amazing. again, let um, let the human let his human know. Um, so the goat could let his human know that she was just about to have a seizure, wow. and she could get in the recovery position or make some kind of um, you know preparations yeah. so that she was safe. Um, now, again, they had a great relationship. They would play hide and seek in, you know, in the house and she, he would playfully headbutt her and she would take him down to the dog uh, park. And uh, it seems that this goat thought it was a dog and would play with the other goats <laughs> and um, oh, the dogs. other dogs, sorry. And <laughs> yeah, and everyone was fine with that. And, um, you know, everyone would have a jolly good time. And several times she had the, um, she had in an incident at the park where she would have a seizure. Uh, he would alert her, she would lay down, she would have the seizure. And then when she was getting up, he automatically knew to provide his body a support so she could hang hang on to him as she tried to get up from her seizure because, wow. you know, she was a bit groggy, um, probably needed some um, some balance. Now, unfortunately, uh, one of the neighbours called uh, the council on her because uh, she was in a metropolitan area and uh, the goat was labelled as a rural farm animal in inverted commas and Mm. we could get into the whole idea of classing animals with you know in different ways that we use them um, but we won't but um, so what happened was she then had to justify uh, to the council why she uh, should be able to keep uh, the goat Um, And the really great thing was that she developed a relationship with a lot of the people um, who went to the dog park with their dogs and a whole bunch of letters came flooding in in support um, of her and her goat saying, look, often this goat is more, you know, is better behaved than a lot of the dogs Mm. and that, you know, why should we be looking at this this goat in any other way especially considering it is a working animal and assists someone in, in gaining quality of life. And the good news was that she was able to um, to keep her goat. So, you yeah, know, because, wow. you know, this was something that she needed. She needed the support of her friend and her working animal. Um so, yeah, th- these kinds of things, you know, and it, again, we could look at the ethics of, you know, is this really not exploitation? Is this a mutual, mutual relationship, et cetera? And these are the kinds of inf- these are the kinds of conversations we have to have. Yeah. From my point of view, I, I was previously someone who did not think that we should have pets. We didn't, I don't think we should have support animals, et cetera. I've since kind of fought my way through that thought process and I I no longer hold that stance. I do think that um, perhaps I, in this this case with support animals, I was being a bit ableist. I live a life where I am free of pain. I can walk around. I don't have seizures, etc., what if I did and what if the only thing that could help me was a working animal that could tell me when I was going to have a seizure? And what does that say about me if I'm judging someone who mm. I'm not in the position, I, I've never experienced that. And I think that we do need to think about these things and understand that if we're coming from an able-bodied perspective, we have to see it in another light and try to be compassionate and try to be understanding and understand the nuances of the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Well, I think also, like, to parallel with human issues, um, because I often do when I'm just trying to navigate 
a part of an issue and the ethics of it. Like human work isn't a binary. It's not like slavery or good mm. work. It's a it's a spectrum. There's always yeah. like there's partial exploitation or there's different levels to it in terms of, you know, how much compensation you're getting. Is it fair or how much you forced into a certain job or into working mm. when you don't want to work? I mean, all levels of human work and the human workforce have those like exploitative levels. And it's, it's basically like yes. a spectrum. There's part of it is you know, what people would consider okay and part of it's not okay and it's just this sort of battle. And, and I think that the same can be true with animal workers because there's that spectrum. It's like they might be having really great, they might be part of the family, as you say. And so it's, mm. it's, that's a very different part of the spectrum than someone like an animal that's pulling a plough all day just out in a field and is yeah. sort of trapped in that environment and can't really do much else. So there's a big difference between that and a, and a dog that's staying at home, being mm. a loving member of the family you know, gets to go to the dog park and things like that and, and socialize and everything like that. And all they do is they've been trained as a pup to be able to recognize these things and just alert their owner. I mean, that's... Exactly, to assist a, their family member. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's, it's it's a difficult... You're right. Like, I'm not trying to say I know 100% what's right or wrong, but I think mm. that looking at it in like a strict binary maybe isn't the best way to go about it because there yeah. is a spectrum of exploitation involved in all forms of work and it's always a give and take. I agree. Absolutely. I that's the same actually happens really, with animals as well yeah. as humans. That's a really good point. And that's actually something to think about. I hadn't really thought about it that way. And I, of course, I know inherently as a socialist that all forms of work that we do not initiate ourselves is a form of exploitation. Mm. And then, of course, if we look at it that way and if we look at the nuanced nature of these forms of work, yeah, we, we, we kind of we look at it from a human perspective, then we look at it from an animal perspective, and we can gain a better understanding of work as a phenomena within the animal kingdom of non-human animals. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually really – thank you for making me think about that, Turf. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Made me thought about it as well. Yeah. No, this is good. And this is the type of conversations we always need to have. Uh, we need to have these – this show is all about having conversations that perhaps aren't had um, anywhere else. They're yeah. not really had by the general community. And so we make people think, we make people talk, and we make people act upon – uh, the progression in their philosophies, essentially. And we'd, we'd love to hear from listeners and for people to Absolutely. contribute as well, whether yeah. you're listening live or on yep. the podcast. If you can jump on Twitter mm. and reply to, to Foz Radio, um, yeah. there'll be a there'll be a tweet about this podcast yeah. that comes up very soon. And share your thoughts and have a discussion. Yeah. And hopefully we can get people talking about these issues because yeah. it is something that we're all learning about. We're not saying that we're experts and oh, we're authoritative no answers that we're <laughs> dictating to people. It's yeah. just to get people thinking about We what... are literally the conversation starters. We're not the be-all, end-all of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'd like to think so anyway. Um, yeah, so the, that was pretty amazing, those two anecdotes. And they really stuck with me. And, um, and that's kind of what gave me the idea of, um, you know, animals as workers my gosh that's a great angle but what I wanted to do is just talk a little bit more about animals as workers and again we can talk about the nature of this and the nuanced nature of what these animals are doing in their work and how we are treating them etc but I wanted to talk about say search and rescue animals um, mm. now mo the majority of search and rescue animals are actually dogs um, dogs search for missing people so there might be a lost 
um, child or a lost person that they will then search um, through forests, etc., to to find them with sniffer dogs. Um, you know, dogs are involved in disasters, so natural disasters like avalanches and earthquakes. Mm. Um, again, this is all in very important life-saving work that these animals are doing. Yeah. You know, uh, in there's actually an anecdote that's really sad. Um, so when the um, when the World Trade Centers, um, the Twin Towers, uh, were taken down by the aeroplanes, uh, sniffer dogs were in the rubble searching for survivors, and um, and this really shows you kind of how the relationship between animals and dog, uh, humans and dogs are. Unfortunately, what was happening is it was getting to the point where the only people that they were finding unfortunately had passed away Mm. and the dogs were actually suffering a lot of trauma because of this and so what some of the firefighters were doing is they were hiding in the rubble and when the sniffer dogs came around they would come out and the dog would be happy that they found someone alive right um so they really had to i mean obviously it was extremely it was a terrible terrible situation for both um you know the dog rescuers and the human rescuers um, but they made some kind of effort to try and ameliorate the stress that the dogs were going through because they really were getting yeah, very stressed wow. that the only people they were finding were people were, that weren't alive. Wow. Um, I, I remember that when I when I heard that quite a number of years ago and it was just so sad. It is, yeah. Um, but there are other animals that contribute to our safety, uh, and I, the one of the we, it's kind of like this is a huge topic, but it, it's beyond the scope of an hour show. But I'll go into one other uh, animal. Uh, so there's actually mine detector animals. Mm. So there's certain animals, and in particular, uh, African pouched rats. Uh, so these uh, rats are trained for up to 12 months. And just to be clear, this yes. is explosive mines. Explosive mines. I'm sorry. Yep. Yes. So essentially what they do is they go into war zones. Um, now, war zones, as we all know, have often been littered with landmines. Uh, and it's something that um, – so, you know, the, the conflict might have ceased. It might have ceased decades ago, but mm. there are still active landmines. And unfortunately, people who never had anything to do with the conflict or victims of the conflict are the people, you know, villagers who are coming into that land, uh, stepping on landmines and losing their lives or their limbs. Yeah. Uh, so landmine clearage is a very important part of safety in these areas. Uh, so these African pouched rats um, would they they are too light to set off the mines, mm. but their sniffing sensors can detect the landmines. Uh, so the chemicals in in the yeah, landmines. Wow. And so what they would do is they would use them to sniff it out, mark the area then take the rats away and then dismantle the landmines in that area, making it safe for farmers to come in, for villagers to come in and, um, you know, they would reclaim the land essentially. Yeah, wow. So, again, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, When I heard about this, I was just blown away that this was something. And, it's again, it's not something that they can do with technology. It's actually something that they need to do often with animals. But then also in poorer countries, the the technology like drones with, um, I don't know, spectrometers or something mm. like that would be way beyond the cost of, of anything that they could afford. Yeah. Um, so again, with the um, the animals that I showed in anecdotes about helper animals, I wanted to um, – I don't want to use the word humanize, but (laughs) animalize and give you an idea of, um, you know, a story about a particular animal. Uh, So there was a particular um, African pouched rat uh, called Magawa. 
and he had a very long and illustrious career as a landmine um, detector. He actually sniffed out more than 100 mines in his career before he was retired and, wow. and lived out his life. Um, and he, you know, a, as an animal who detected over 100 landmines, he actually won multiple awards as well. Of course, that wouldn't really be relevant to him, but, you know, mm. it, it was at least an acknowledgement of the important work that he did. Um, and he would have saved countless lives with those landmines um, and, and the fact that, that you could now reclaim that land, you know, to build on or to farm on, et cetera. Yeah, well. And that legacy of that one rat, that one rat that detected over 100 landmines uh, is huge. Mm. And the, the work that he did could never be, um, you know, it, could, it can't be underestimated. Um, so, yeah, the, the, these kinds of um, instances of animals helping us in very important and often life-saving capacities cannot be overstated. Mm. We Many of us owe our lives to animals mm. uh, and it's an important part of, uh, you know, of who we are. Uh, when we talk about animals and their labour, essentially. So I think probably what we want to do is we want to go into the next song. Next song. Uh, Again, Privateer. Uh, so yeah, um, so these guys are Melbourne people. So and I I know them personally. They're absolutely <laughs> awesome people. And the next song that we're going to go to is uh, it's called Follow, and it's about imposter syndrome and how sometimes it needs to be embraced, but sometimes it needs to be fled from. Will run for our lives. 
Join the National Day of Action on May 13th to mark 75 years since the Nakba, also known as the catastrophe, when 80% of the Palestinian people were ethnically cleansed from their homeland and over 530 Palestinian villages destroyed to create the State of Israel. Today, Palestinians on a daily basis are still resisting the loss of their homeland and human rights, insisting on their right of return and sharing their truth. Join them in their fight for justice and a free Palestine at 1 p.m. Saturday, May 13th at the State Library. That's 1 p.m. Saturday, 13th of May. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Justice Commission is the first formal truth-telling inquiry into injustice experienced by First Peoples in Victoria. From Thursday, April 27 to Friday, May 12, Uruk is holding public hearings to question Victorian government ministers, senior bureaucrats and Chief Commissioner of Victoria Police about injustice against First Peoples in the child protection and criminal justice systems. You can watch the hearings online or make a submission at yurukjusticecommission.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You are listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR. The song that you just listened to was Follow by the outfit Privateer. Um, you can listen to their music on privateermusic.com. They actually have an album, a full album coming out uh, in late 2023, early 2024. So watch out for that. That's Privateer with uh, Jeff Clemenson and Damien Langley. I think they've got Bandcamp as well. Yeah, they've definitely well, got Bandcamp. Yeah, listen absolutely. And buy from yeah, there as well. and we'll we'll put the links up there as well um, yep. on the um, on the podcast when we pop it up on the website. Uh, so yeah, we're just at the last uh, point in the show. We're going to talk about um, animals as exploited workers because this is obviously a very important topic. And um, you know, the sad fact is that at over the course of human history, the majority of working animals in human societies and systems have been exploited often to the point of death and their lives and their work has been a sheer misery. And it's one of the most important things that we need to take away from this. Um, We have benefited from the misery and the exploitation of these animals and no one has not benefited. It's the same when we talk about privilege in other ways. Humans have have privileged from the work of animals and we have to acknowledge that. And then very importantly, and this is a critical key, we move on from it and we have conversations about how we stop the exploitation and how we move on from that exploitation. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we have a look at, um, you know, animals that are exploited even now uh, and, and unnecessarily exploited too, I might add, you know, circus and zoo animals come up to me. Um, I remember uh, when yeah. I went to the circus when I was younger and I remember looking around at the adults around me who were having fun and laughing at these animals and going, this is not funny. Why is this funny? I feel really sad and sorry for these animals who mm. are made to perform and do these acts. What do they get out of it? And why do we see that see it as so entertaining? And that sort of says a lot about us that we once thought that that was a funny thing to see a lion, I don't know, um, do a trick or a an elephant, you know, roll along on a ball. Mm. Um, and the work that these animals did was 
was pure exploitation. And you can say the same for animals in zoos. Animals simply exist in zoos for the entertainment of the humans watching them. Uh, We can talk about, you know, uh, conservation programs, etc. But when we talk about true conservation programs, we really should be talking about having those conservation programs in the wild environments that these animals exist in. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or at the very least in open environments where they can live their lives out as as natural creatures, Mm. in in natural environments where we maybe don't get to see them because that shouldn't be the the way it is, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you've got ag- animals in agriculture and modern society. Uh, you know, we have the idea that the animals have gone from our modern day society and the work that they do. But a lot of the time still here in the West, they, they're they still here. Mm. And again, in, in developing countries, you still have the oxen, you know, with the plough because that's the best way that they can, uh, you know, utilise the energy of the oxen to gain food and subsistence farm again. Yeah. And and do we have the right to say, hey, we benefited as a society in the West from the animal and the labour that they had, that we had, but you can't. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's the same as emissions. We mm. benefited from the um, the progress of, of these um, technologies that made the emissions, but the global south is the one that actually has the ramifications. And then we say to them, stop, you know, stop emitting. Yeah. But they haven't gotten to the level that, we have and we, they haven't got the privilege that we, we were have. able to progress through all that using all these factors that now we've said we shouldn't do we anymore shouldn't do. so you have to figure out a way to progress without using exactly those yeah and and do we have an obligation to help them to assist them to move mm. away from animal exploitation to develop a level of safety and progressiveness in their society that um that we enjoy essentially mm. Uh, and then, of course, you know, th- this is the, the one that we talk about a lot, you know, animals used for food and clothing. These are the ultimate exploited workers because we're using parts of their body or using the excretions or the products of their body um, without any single benefit to them. In fact, the misery and the suffering that they suffer is just, it, it's, there, there's, I mean, we know, you and I, we don't think there's any justification for it. Mm. Um, And, you know, I believe that factory farmed animals are the ultimate exploited workers, to be honest. Um, But I just wanted to conclude on that. Uh, So animal workers have been a part of human society since its inception, as we mentioned. And the labour of working animals are, in part, the reason our society has progressed and is as progressed as it is today. Yeah. Working animals uh, have, on the whole, been exploited and mistreated uh, as our relationship with working animals is inherently exploitative. Mm. Um, You know, putting aside those anecdotes, those lovely anecdotes that I said, the majority of the the animals that we use labour for have been exploited. Um, We need to move away from this exploitation model. Uh, It's a must to progress our society. And... How we do this is up to us and the conversations we have to address this issue. And, of course, it's beyond the scope of a single one-hour show to figure out solutions. But like human workers, sometimes we have to fight for better working conditions and sometimes we have to fight to dismantle entire systems that will never be fair or honour the freedom and the labour of our animal comrades. And that's where I want to leave everyone. And I really want you to have a think about um, the idea that we use animals as workers in quite an unfair way. 
And how, you know, what are the similarities between exploited human workers and exploited animal workers? And if you can sympathise with exploited human workers, Mm. then it isn't much of a stretch to look at our animal comrades and go, how are we exploiting them? Do they have any say in this? Do they want to do this? Is this right? What are their interests? Exactly. What are their desires? Yeah. Yeah. And so I encourage everyone to have these conversations and to really understand that um, there isn't much of a difference between uh, human labour and animal labour when we think about the ethics and morality of these sorts of things. Mm. Um, And and to, you know, extend your circle of compassion. I'm always talking about that. Extend your circle of compassion out from human workers and encompass animal workers. But happy May Day, everyone. Um, you know, let's celebrate the, yes. the wins that we've had and let's continue to fight for more wins, both for, for humans and non-humans. Yeah, we hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, next week, Freedom of Species will be back, of course, at 1pm yes. every Sunday and we follow Sally out of the pan at midday every Sunday. Yep. And coming up next, as is every Sunday at 2pm, is Rotations. That's one hour of music uh, to get you through your Sunday afternoon. But uh, we've got one more track. Awesome. Yes. Privateer. Oh, yes. Let me tell you. Now, once again, Privateer, if you want to have a listen to their music, privateermusic.com. They're also on Bandcamp and we'll pop up some links. The last song that we have is a, it's called A Winter's Dream and it's the title track from Privateer's debut album, which is, as I mentioned, is coming out in late 2023, early 2024. Uh, get onto their website, have a look at it, support um, local vegan artists and art. And yeah, hope you've enjoyed the show.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.